Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 316. Hope wherever you are that you're doing well and feeling good, and if not, hopefully we can help at least a little bit with that. Before we get going, a reminder that you can watch the video version of the Boo Crew over on Bloody Disgusting TV, available on Roku, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. You can check out the on-air schedule for showtimes, all sorts of insanely killer horror films, of course, streaming 24-7, it is the place to be. This time around, you are spending some time with multi-award winning filmmaking genius, Robert Eggers. At time of release, his absolute masterpiece, The Northman, is in theaters everywhere April 22nd. This thing blew our minds. It is an epic journey in every sense of the word. You will lose yourself in this film. It's part of why we loved it so much. It does not let up. He tells you about crafting this completely immersive, vengeful Viking nightmare and how it's designed for you to feel every sword swing and gory attack. Find out what he kept from the set. Get a look at how he works with actors and nurtures unforgettable performances in all his films. Hear his thoughts on the cultural impact of The Witch and the latest on his journey to Nosferatu. All this and more on episode 316, now slaying... Now, behold... The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, father. My king. Hey, Robert, how's it going, man? Well, it's not very often that I looking at a painting of Dr. D entertaining doing a podcast. So that's wow. That's not very often that we hear someone who actually knows what that painting is. So that is exceptional. If I didn't know who Dr. D was, I would be a failure. with my. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I would love to see you do a movie about Dr. D. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, that, to my knowledge, not one has been made yet. I don't know. Do you know of one that, that has been made? I mean, he makes an appearance in the second Elizabeth movie, and he's also in Derek Jarman's Jubilee, and he makes he, he and Kelly make an appearance in uh, the Elizabeth TV series with Glenda Jack, Jackson, but there's no D. 
movie. Right, right. Were they like finding the uh, angelic language or anything like that? <clears throat> Not yet. Well, never say never. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're with Bloody Disgusting. I'll do a quick introduction. We'll be on our way. So myself, Trevor, my wife, Lauren. Hello. We got Leo out there as well. Uh, so, all right. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, one of the most fascinating and compelling filmmakers in cinema. Since his debut feature, The Witch, he has crawled into our imagination, become the architect of our nightmares, and absolutely ignited the screen. He has shown himself to be a master of crafting fully immersive dark adventures for the audience with immaculate sense of detail and world building using all the tools at his behest and inventing new techniques along the way to carry us there that are now a part of movie history the power and thought imbued into his scripts is second to none and have imprinted on all of our minds as unforgettable moments whether it's being tempted to live deliciously or the searing madness of Willem Dafoe casting a curse on Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse his astute and artistic approach has been celebrated with over 25 awards from film festivals and associations across the world there is a reason that the titles of his work are on the lips of almost every writer, director, musician, and actor who's been a guest on this show as some of the most impactful cinematic experiences they've ever had. An incredible legacy he's managed to accomplish with a handful of short films and two features. We are at the cusp of the release of his third, and it is an all-out masterpiece. The Northman has an all-star cast including Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe, and Bjork. Only in theaters April 22nd, we are beyond honored to welcome writer-director Robert Eggers. Well, that was quite the introduction. I think I should just retire. <laughs> no, don't, don't, no, don't, please don't, don't, don't do that to us. Well, again, man, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. It sounds like you know an obituary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats on this wonderful experience you've given us, and not only with the Northmen, but all of your work. And before we get into this latest journey. The Witch and the Lighthouse, as I've mentioned, are always films brought up when we've asked people about horror films that have truly impacted them. What is your earliest memory as a viewer being exposed to the horror genre, and how do you think that has influenced your darker side to this day? You know, I the the horror movies that were popular in the '80s like were just too scary for me. Uh, you know, I watched a little bit of Friday the Thirteenth, and I just about like fucking died. <laughs> like universal horror movies and hammer horror movies uh that and and corman and vincent price whatever amicus blah blah, all you know that kind of stuff that was stuff that that spoke to me because i could i could deal with it like i could see peter cushing you know with a severed arm like in a bubbling tank and think that was pretty cool and a little bit creepy but i wasn't like i didn't have to like you know go to the fucking emergency room or um so so that that was the stuff that i really loved and then of course um much talked about but nosferatu was something that i saw pretty young that really uh changed changed my life 100 years of that film this year which is incredible so is there still i mean what's the latest with your retelling of that film and that whole project I just, I'm just starting to think that Murnau doesn't want me to make it. It feels like that. It just feels like, it just feels like it's so hard and I don't know why. And, and I think, you know, Herzog had the right uh, because of German history and German cinema history to, to make it. And maybe the ghosts of Murnau and Alvin Grau are telling me like, stop barking up that tree. I don't know. 
that doesn't mean that that's true. I'm just wondering that. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So the uh, the uh, it's, it has been a tough journey, basically. What you're saying. Yeah. Speaking of the witch, uh, the witch was such a major catalyst in the horror renaissance period that we're so fortunate to be experiencing right now. And it is one of those rare films that causes a sea change that not only affects all genre films made after, but has seeped into pop culture. It's mentioned in the latest Scream movie, for example, reflecting a little bit on its legacy. What are your thoughts on what that film has accomplished? I don't know, man. I think it's, I mean, obviously, you know, people, the, the folk horror, uh, like thing, you know, Ben, you know, Ben Wheatley was, did it before the witch, but, but the sort of folk horror revival is, is a cool thing. I certainly am enjoying it. And I think what I look, I guess Ari and I have talked, Ari Aster and I have talked about this. Like, I, you know, like I'm, I, I hope that as our films, are seen more on television through streaming platforms or whatever that people are getting a different kind of cinema language exposure, normal people. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, like, look, this movie, the Northman couldn't have existed without the witch. It couldn't have existed without like the, the revenant and, and like, you know, because like the, the, you know, the, the, those, those things expose, larger audiences to kind of filmmaking that they they haven't, you know, seen. Um, so, so hopefully people like, like, like the, you know, proverbial Joe, the plumber, not the like actual Joe, the plumber, uh, <laughs> you know, ha- like can, 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 uh, has about a larger vocabulary for what they're able to like understand cinematically and, and like cinematically. Let's dive into the Northman. So talk about just meeting Alexander and how this whole journey came to be. Set that up for us. So I didn't really like Vikings as a kid. And wasn't like the macho stuff, you know, I'm like, you know, reading Edgar Allan Poe in my room and crying. So I don't like Vikings. And then as an adult, the like Nazi and right wing misappropriation of Viking culture made it even more uninteresting to me. But then when I went to Iceland, the landscapes were incredibly ins- inspiring uh, in every way imaginable. And they made me pick up Icelandic sagas and I started to get into the Viking culture. And I, th- and I thought maybe, maybe I could make a Viking movie and it should probably end with a naked sword fight on a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, that was just kind of like rolling around in, in my head. And then two years later, I had lunch with Alexander Skarsgård who has been into Vikings since he was a kid and was telling me that he's been trying for 10 years to make a Viking movie with Lars Knudsen, who was one of the producers on the witch and is a friend of mine. And I was shocked that I didn't know about that. And we kind of shook hands saying, all right, let's, let's try to figure it out. Yeah. And researching about the Viking culture, the Icelandic sagas and Norse mythology, what were some of the things that fascinated you the most that you ended up folding into the script and storyline of the film? I mean, so, so many things, I think, you know, you know, for, for bloody disgusting viewers, uh, you know, like it was uh, awesome to know that most saga heroes have to battle an undead Viking to get their sword, you know, that's cool. Um, but I think, you know, there's all kinds of stuff myth- mythologically that's super inspiring and fascinating, but something that the sagas of the Icelanders had is a kind of modernity to it, even though um, they're, you know, they're culturally incredibly far away from us on a surface level. So it seems, 
you know, the heroes of a Viking saga could be, is, is usually, he's usually an anti-hero, uh, often an outlaw, sometimes a psychopath, like doing stuff that is not even considered, considered honorable in the Viking age. Isn't that interesting? And then the villains can sometimes be good fathers and like good husbands. And, uh, and so having that gray area, uh, is nice. And I, and it was fun to be able to incorporate that into, like an action tent pole set piece, whatever big kind of movie like this. Cause you don't usually get that. I mean, uh, Commodus and the King of England and Braveheart are just like bad to the bone. Um, and I, and I like that our villain is a little more complicated, but that comes from the source material, not from my, I'm, uh, I, I have no creativity in my body. I just research and regurgitate. The boo crew will be right back mark of the devil the desecration of human mammals less than 300 years ago it's your sacred duty to tell us the truth confess confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft tortures pitting human appendages against the strength of cold brutal steel the rack the claw the tongs devices that made death a welcomed pleasure every torture device authentic actually used at one time mark of the devil positively the most horrifying film ever made guaranteed to upset your stomach this city is now being flooded with stomach distress bags no one will be allowed in the theater auditorium without these free bags also available at the theater box office mark of the devil all ages admitted parental guidance suggested did it take to choreograph those incredible elaborate fight scenes they took a long time you know i mean uh, i don't uh, the cc smith our stunt coordinator was uh is super talented and he, you know he becomes another authorial voice you know like my co-writer shown uh, this Icelandic novelist and poet is an authorial voice. My DP, Jaron Blaschke is, uh, you know, it's, it's all very collaborative, but, but we're, you know, we're spending months storyboarding and planning and, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, like we, the, the village that that raid takes place in was purpose built for our, for the raid, you know, like, and every building was put in every single specific position so we could see every single beat of it, you know, but, but like how much planning does it take to do, uh, you know, a, a, like a single take raid of a village with like hundreds of extras and stunt guys and horses and cows and chickens and geese, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of time. Do you remember how and when Omelette's mantra was created? The I will avenge your father, I will save your mother, I will kill you, Fjolnir? Uh, no. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it seemed pretty obvious. <laughs> well, I would say that that mantra is a big, a huge part of the hypnotic effect of this experience. That, that line that's repeated all the time absolutely grounds everything for the viewer, and it connects us personally to the catharsis of the symphonic violence that you were portraying here. What were some of the other ways that you intentionally designed this experience to grab hold of us so deeply and make every sword slice make something that we felt personally? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the single camera or I, you know, the intention is that the single camera approach with these long unbroken takes helps suck the viewers in because, you know, time is not broken. Mm-hmm. You know, there are not cuts di- creating something disjointed where like, you know, uh, I love all the period detail, right? You know, I love this stuff. Like I like I literally could, like fetishize it and spend so much time obsessing over these details. But I got to do that during prep. I can't be doing that on set. Right. And when you're shooting with single camera, like if you're in this Viking hall with all this, all these people and all this stuff, you know, like I, I can only place the camera in the very best place to tell the story, you know? So it's, you know, Fjolnir enters, we see him go to the King and that's it. Like if you catch some, some details, like specifically that's that's great but they're just kind of there to help you like believe in the world more but i'm not gonna like cut away to show how cool the like period hunting dogs are and take you out of the story by by my interest in them no 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 like we have to be like focused in on this and then uh i think the sound design and the music are very aggressive you know i I could i could you know some people are turned off by that like i get it you know, but, but, but we are really trying to make this as immersive as, as, as possible. Um, and, you know, and, and then the other thing is how do you do this kind of big movie like this, where you literally, literally needs to be entertaining and the fight scenes need to be thrilling. And I'm talking about a culture who glorifies violence, even though I don't, Uh, but you know, but, but also like, I don't want to be glorifying violence and I don't want to be celebrating violence. And, and, and so like, how does the brutality be something that you feel so that instead of just like, you know, how is that, how is that? I, by the way, I'm not like, I'm just asking questions here. I'm not providing answers, but, but these are the questions that we're trying to ask ourselves because, you know, on, like when we first see that raid, you're kind of like, Holy cow, Alex is really like uh, very skilled at like killing people. But then when it's over, you're kind of like, he's very skilled at killing people. That's not good. <laughs> you know, talk about getting Bjork involved. Was she always your first choice? Of course. Uh, I mean, Bjork is the world's pop culture shamaness and she, you know, you know, I'm super lucky that she was the serious in the film and it could only really be Bjork, but I'm just, you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's not a very exciting story. It's just that Shion, my co-writer has known Bjork since they were teenagers, you know, uh, like they were, you know, Icelandic punks and, you know, and then Robin Carolyn, one of the composers, is, has is friends with Bjork, has collaborated with her, and she introduced me and my wife to Bjork. So it was kind of it was a familial environment. Her costume is outstanding, and I mean, we, I mean, all the costumes in this film, and we got to credit yeah. Linda Muir, your secret weapon, on all your films thus far. What do you love so much about working with her? Uh, Linda, really, I mean, she gets the story so well she always gets like you know whenever i'm always excited to send a script to linda because she's gonna write me back a bunch of stuff about the story and not about the costumes and it's all gonna be in line with what i think about it where we are we are 
very simpatico in our uh, tastes and the way we think about story. But then, you know, like she she's super rigorous and 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 understands my uh, my approach. And so she I mean, Craig Lathrop and Linda Muir didn't know stuff about Vikings either when they started this and they had to jump into doing a whole bunch of research before we got into real prep to like understand and wrap their minds around this like entirely new world and, and, and at a scale, which we've never worked on before, but yeah, Linda's Linda's cool. In working with the cast, you've been behind the camera of some of the greatest moments on film over the past few years and Pattinson and Defoe and Anya. And here it goes again with Skarsgård and Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kim and the list goes on. When you go through some of the recent interviews that Anya has been doing for this film, for instance, she flat out says it was her initial work with you that crafted her entire technique and who she is today. What is your philosophy when it comes to your role in nurturing and capturing performance? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think to, to this, sometimes this frustrates some actors, but I'm, I'm more interested in doing than anything else. Uh, I think, I think, you know, in, in theater, you, there's something called table work where you like sit around and talk about like your characters, backstories and intentions for like weeks. And I think it's a fucking waste of time. Uh, it's not that you shouldn't know that stuff. You need to know that stuff, but you're going to learn more about the piece that you're doing, the story you're telling the character you're inhabiting by getting on your feet and just doing it. So I'm looking for actors who are like completely committed, take big risks, are fearless and, and, and also like can take direction, you know, um, that's, that's really, that's really it. But that's, but it's, it's, it's hard for people to be vulnerable enough to take those big risks. And so I, the, so I really respect the actors who are able to do that. And also, you know, and, and also, and I've had famous actors, respected actors that don't want to work with me, you know, which I understand. The props and set design was spectacular. Talk about designing the Nightblade and did you keep it? I actually, yeah, I do own Droiger. Uh, I, um, it, well, yeah, which is, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, you know, I mean, well, it's cool. One of the things that I liked about having to do the mound dweller scene is that uh, this actually some of the armor and, uh, and arms pre the Viking age, I think are much more beautiful. The Vendel period uh, and, uh, and, and Anglo-Saxon armor uh, is really beautiful stuff. So we got to have Amleth's magical sword be from before the Viking age. So that was based on uh, like two, two, a combination of two or three swords from an earlier period, including the sudden who sword. Yeah. The film is such the definitive Viking film. And, uh, you know, I was wondering if there were any scenes or sequences that didn't make the final cut of the film that would flesh out more of any particular storyline that we may particularly, you know, we may end up seeing in a future cut. Um, well, the, f- w- the this is the director's cut, uh, but uh, there are a lot of scenes I'm proud of. And there are a lot of scenes, uh, uh, particularly of Nicole, that didn't didn't make the, f- the final edit because um Guthrin's character, it was better to 
not know about her. Wait, what you, I think if you've seen the movie, I think you know what I mean. It's better to not know a lot about her for uh, the last act to be uh, to, to work. Uh, so on the Blu-ray, you will see a lot more scenes of, of Guthrie's character, uh, which will enrich your understanding of her, but would but sort of spoiled what I, the, the story I was trying to tell in its uh, like a, a immediacy and, 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 and also from the point of view of Alexander Skarsgård's character. Mm, fascinating. That's awesome. Yes. I'm going to sneak one yeah. quick, quick, quick last one. If you could dip your hands into any existing horror franchise, where, what would it be? Where would you take it? Well, I mean, obviously we're still trying to sort out Nosferatu. So uh, I think it's not a franchise, but like, Thank God it's not. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Awesome, Robert. Dude, thank you so much. This is a bucket list opportunity for us. We appreciate it yes. so much, man. Congrats. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Wait. Calm down, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm even rocking my lighthouse sweater, so come on, man. Hark! Hark! Triton! All right, that was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 316. Special thanks to our guest, the magnificent Robert Eggers. At time of release, you can experience The Northman in theaters everywhere April 22nd. Production tracks for this one provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shams and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shams, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shams. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.